You're listening to the Knowing Motherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Linnell Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped, more hopeful, and less alone than when you arrived. Hello, everybody. Today we are starting a new series of episodes. I'm very excited about this called Hard Conversations with Our Kids. I've had it on my heart for a while now to offer an ongoing series like this to equip all parents in their journeys to raise healthy, grounded, and God-fearing kids. There's a battle for our children's hearts and minds raging like never before, and our call to prepare and protect them is so real. If we choose to ignore the calling we have to build up healthy channels of communication with our children, they will seek out the information they desire elsewhere. We need to be the first place they come, not Google or their peers. My prayer is that this ongoing series will help equip you for these conversations that might feel a little intimidating. If you've been a regular listener, you know that the heart of Knowing Motherhood has always been to reach women like you and I right where they're at with stories of hope in the midst of suffering and to equip, educate, and encourage them with gospel truth. Nothing has changed this season. However, we aren't just going to be hearing from women. I've wanted for a while now to invite men into these conversations as well, and today marks new territory as Exodus Cry founder and film producer Benji Nolo joins me to talk about his efforts to see pornography distribution laws tighten dramatically to protect our children online and his 15-year fight to end sex trafficking. Never before in history have we had more information available to us, especially online, and while some is very helpful and educational, much is destructive and harmful, and our children are more vulnerable than ever to the voices and images that seek to fill their minds with faulty ideologies and empty promises. As mothers, we know the tender place that we find ourselves in when faced with hard conversations. We long to share honest and accurate information with sensitivity to our children's individual levels of comprehension, and that can be a fairly daunting task. In today's powerful conversation with Benji Nolo, I know you're going to gain much insight from his very unique, first-hand perspective, having worked undercover interviewing those directly involved in the porn industry. He gets right to the heart of the issues that exist in this corrupt and broken world. It's it's time that we revisit and take an inventory for how the internet has been constructed because currently it is a city without walls. You're going to want to keep listening to the end because while we're chatting, Benji gets an incredible update, an unexpected update, and a great move forward in the fight against online pornography. So that's right towards the end of our conversation. And please be aware that this episode is for adult ears only. The content is not suitable for children, so please continue listening with that in mind. Benji, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be on with you. Well, we you are the very first 
man, male, that we've had on this show. So so an extra big welcome to you. <laughs> it's, it's an honor. It's an honor. Well, you know, it's funny. When I started Knowing Motherhood, it was in my mind, I thought I would always have women guests on. And as the years have gone on, I've realized we need we need men here, too. Uh, to speak into topics. It's an important voice to have. So I am really honored to have you here today. Um, for those who are not familiar with you, can you share just a little bit about um, yourself, um, some of the things that you are feeling called to in this season of life, uh, your family, just things like that? Absolutely. Yeah. So I am the CEO and founder of Exodus Cry. We're a nonprofit organization that is fighting sex trafficking around the world and uh, we've been doing this for 15 years now and most recently over the past several years have really been focusing on the issue of pornography in a more uh, aggressive way and so I'm just thrilled at the opportunity to speak with a demographic of mothers um, just knowing that they are such gatekeepers for their children and their families. And, uh, and I think we really all, you know, of us together share this, this common concern for the protection of our children growing up in this media saturated world that we're living in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we, I think as mothers, especially young moms, this whole topic can feel so overwhelming. And I know for me as a mom who dealt with postpartum anxiety in my early years, um, that just, just hearing about something happening to a child or a missing child would just prompt so much fear in me. And, um, and I feel like as I've grown in knowledge and learned a little bit more about what's going on. Um, it has made me less fearful. I think that knowledge. Would you agree that knowledge is power in this? I, in these top with these topics, yeah. I do feel that way because I think you know when when we don't have an awareness of things that we can be doing, it, it maybe feels a little overwhelming and daunting. Um, yeah. when it comes to something as important as the protection of our children. So just kind of waiting that space in the realm of the unknown, it feels really anxiety inducing. And mm -hmm. so I think there's a lot of value in us kind of digging into the substance of what, what can we do to work with our children and, and to protect our children and to grow healthy children in the midst of the kind of world that we find ourselves living in. Right. Yeah, that's right. So the work that you're doing, Benji, is really, really weighty. Like I, mm -hmm. to me, you are an incredibly courageous human, and I know that you attribute it to your relationship with God and the courage that he gives you. But can you mm -hmm. share with me a little bit more? Like, how do you stay grounded in this work? How has God's presence, mm -hmm. you know, made a difference in, in the way that you pursue justice in this area? That's a great question. Uh, you know, for uh, those of us that are on the front lines fighting this issue of sex trafficking and the pornography industry and the pornification of society, it's we're constantly confronted with the most egregious adjust, injustices in our world. And mm -hmm. you do experience a measure of vicarious trauma as a result of that. And so I think it's really important to maintain balance in life, I think the the temptation or the propensity, especially like some somebody like myself who I 
am a bit of a type A, a bit of a perfectionist, I tend to just throw mm-hmm. myself fully into things. And I'm just aware through my own journey over these past 15 years that 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 can be detrimental to you know to my health if mm-hmm. if I'm not if I don't have healthy outlets. So I think that working in this space of of trafficking and and fighting pornography really kind of forces you to develop healthy outlets. And um and so we live in this um addicted consumerist culture where we have a lot of unhealthy addictive outlets from alcohol mm-hmm. to shopping to being online to all the you know endless numbers of things that are just right at our fingertips but i think that it's really important when we're dealing with heavy weighty human issues that we develop an inner life to work out those things that we're confronting and to create space for ourselves to navigate you know fighting injustice like this with a clear head with a clean spirit and um and so yeah i mean i can speak more to the specifics of what that looks like for me but mm-hmm. generally speaking mm-hmm. that's that's kind of my perspective of that yeah yeah so for those listening you're you're doing you're doing work like you're producing films that that have content that are, are is so eye-opening for so many people and it's really hard to watch i recently watched um your newest uh is it called beyond fantasy it is yeah is that yeah mm-hmm. i watched the first one and i i thought to myself oh man for people who have had a pornography addiction this would be really almost troubling for them to to watch right because yeah. it's it, it is quite graphic and it's but i i also am watching this and i'm just going man like how many people just have no clue yeah. how normalized this is to the people producing this content um yeah it's it's just pretty mind-blowing and is it true that you went undercover for this yeah. documentary yeah so during the span of time that i was working on my first documentary on human trafficking i started to observe the connection between sex trafficking and pornography in five specific areas and so during that time i started to feel like okay i need to do a deeper investigation of what's going on in the world of pornography and how it's connected to mm. this issue of sex trafficking so i released mm. my first documentary it's called nefarious merchant of souls mm. i released that in 2011 and then 2012 i went into pre-production um to begin work on this subject of pornography and uh so i spent the next eight years um investigating pornography by going undercover into the porn industry and filming this actually uh, several documentaries and then uh reading everything that's been written on pornography and writing a book on the subject and so we're now at this point where that season of research and investigation is culminating into the release of multiple documentaries as well as a book Mm. and um, the first documentary that we released on this subject matter we released last year and that is called Raised on Porn we Mm -hmm. offer it to be viewed for free on our Magic Lantern Pictures YouTube channel and uh, and that documentary is about 
the impact of childhood exposure to pornography. So yeah. I think it's a really key documentary for parents and mothers to watch to really understand what it is that their children in all likelihood will be exposed to and how to deal with that. And mm -hmm. that's where this book comes in, Raised on Porn, that is a very robust resource to help equip parents to protect their children and to walk through their through these issues with their children if they've been exposed and um, and what to do about that. So I think it's going to be a really empowering resource for a lot of parents out there. Um, but right now, as you mentioned, we're releasing this other documentary on pornography called Beyond Fantasy, and that one is directed more towards pornography users. So okay. it is really a scorched earth expose of the porn industry to help people who are stuck in a cycle of pornography's consumption really understand what it is that they're ingesting and, mm -hmm. and hopefully to be shaken out of their cycle of consumption. Because it seems to me a lot of people are completely, and I, I guess this is a choice, right? Like when we desire something so much, we can just sensitize ourselves to anything, right? Yeah. Uh, do you see that, the, is that one of the main things that you're hoping to see? Like you just said that, but mm -hmm. uh, if mm -hmm. you can elaborate on that a little bit more about the mindset of pornography users, who the ones that are addicted that are watching the most, um, you know, um, what's Graphic. the word I'm looking for? Graphic. You know, depraved, depraved, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. topics and, and genres of pornography is this, the, the mind really learns how to how to do something right is do you see that as a really difficult thing to convince people out of or yeah i don't know I, just curious yeah in my work with people who have become stuck in a cycle of pornography consumption mm -hmm. it really is a, a multi-layered approach to get to get them untangled from that so in a very simple way there's a message that says you know just stop watching and I, I, I think that's empowering because yeah. at some level, you can just stop watching. You have free will. You're a powerful human being. You can decide mm -hmm. what you want to watch or not watch. Um, for a lot of people, for whatever reason, that simple approach has not worked. And so we try to, uh, so I try to work with people in a multi-layered capacity to really help untangle them and, and walk them out of that um, that place of enslavement to pornography yeah. consumption and to find freedom. And um, so part of it is I think that a lot of people frame their pornography consumption as a moral and a spiritual struggle as opposed to a neurological struggle and a fantasy addiction. Mm. And, um, and so people become trapped in this relationship between shame and behavior. And it's like a ping pong relationship where the behavior triggers the shame and then the shame triggers the behavior. And the more this cycle, the, this, this relationship, this ping pong relationship continues, the more deeply uh, one becomes convinced of their own shame, that they're a bad person and they're acting according to their to their depraved morality, when in reality, it's uh, it has it is uh, oftentimes a just a neurological problem. So what we understand neurologically about, about the brain now 
is how the wiring of the brain works and can trigger certain behaviors and mm-hmm. and also how the brain can be rewired. So uh, so I think it's a help, a helpful to frame it that way so people get a vision for, oh, I can retrain my brain. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, uh, so when, you know, there are a variety of things that may trigger the pornography consumption. It could be anxiety. It could be rejection. It could be boredom. It could be they got in a fight with their spouse. It could be, uh, you know, dealing with some form of stress at work. There's any number of reasons. And what happens is, is that when that trigger happens, people then are drawn to escape into this fantasy world. Right. So like comfort, it becomes a comfort in a sense, in a weird way, right? Right. This false form of comfort to soothe whatever it is that they're going for. Because in the world of pornography, and pornographers engineer the world of pornography very intentionally in this way, these men are never told no. They every, you know, they are, they are, they're given that affirmation, that connection, that they're meant to feel powerful, that they're meant to feel that they, you know, can bring erotic pleasure to another person who, whose only purpose is to serve their every sexual appetite, you know. And so the world Mm -hmm. of pornography is this fantasy escape into this other world that ultimately isn't real and has a dissipating effect on our soul and on our spirit and on our humanity. And so part of the work is to frame what's going on and to understand, oh, I have a fantasy addiction and a neurological struggle. And I can, because when you frame it in that way, then you can become, then you can begin to develop a game plan to deal with it. And understanding first and foremost that this is mostly not a linear path. It's a circuitous path. So just normalizing the idea that this is going to be a struggle to walk out of this. Yeah. And creating that, that space and that self-compassion that, okay, I, I'm, I'm developing a plan to walk out of this and there's going to be a struggle in that. Um, but part of that plan is just learning to disrupt the fantasy and so and then and then redirect the energy that is has been trained to escape into the world of pornography to channel it into healthy outlets so mm-hmm. let's say that you know i have a stressful day at work i come home i'm looking for some kind of comfort i i'm rejected by my wife i feel alone i feel alienated i feel stressed i feel rejected and here comes this overwhelming urge to just get online and to escape into this fantasy world of pornography. So when the uh, plan is training oneself to disrupt that fantasy when it comes, disrupt and redirect. So the, the urge comes and I go, you know what? This world of fantasy is actually a lie these people have real stories. They're real three-dimensional people. This isn't what they were created for. Many of these people mm-hmm. are being trafficked, have been lied into this. I don't know who these people are, where they've come from. What I begin to speak truth into the fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then I redirect that uh, energy into a healthy outlet 
like going for a walk, like doing yoga, like going out surfing, like going to the gym, like uh, going swimming, like going do some kind of for healthy outlet. When I do that, my brain begins to repair itself. And over time, what happens is your brain begins what it was trick, what was being triggered in your brain to drive you to the fantasy world of pornography is now driving you to a healthy outlet like going swimming and something that's playful and joyful and that you get healthy endorphins from. So mm. now I get home from work. I had a stressful day. I feel rejected. I'm alone. And the impulse is, you know what? I need to get out and go for a swim. And um, that's that's part of the work and part of the plan that goes into dealing with uh, pornography addiction. And um, and it, it 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 will actually transform a person's life in a mm. relatively short amount of time. And um, and I've had the opportunity to walk alongside men. In their journey towards recovery in this way, and it's it's really remarkable. The testimony of many say, you know, there was nothing. I tried everything. I couldn't get free, and 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 taking this approach has has helped me to become free for the first time. So I have a huge heart to see people get free from pornography and to live the life that they were created to live, and ultimately will find the most joy and peace in. Hmm. Well, I guess thanks for sharing that. I yeah. mean, it's just so it's just so neat to hear that that there is hope for people in this and that you've gotten to walk through that with them and I've heard stories myself and I know that it's there. But I guess the ultimate goal is we just don't want to even see this happen. We don't even right. want to see people addicted to pornography and the sad right. truth is and the whole reason that you ha- did this film raised on porn is that this is happening at younger and younger ages because of the high accessibility online. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a big part of what you're fighting right now. So can you talk a little bit about where as parents, like what do we need to be aware of right now in current culture, the exposure, the early exposure to porn? And um, I also would love to talk a little bit about the parents who are possibly in denial Mm -hmm. or just ignorant to what their children could be seeing online. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about that a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'll just say at the outset that my book, Raised on Porn, goes very deep into this entire subject matter, and I really encourage it as a resource for parents out there that are raising young children. Um, I think it's really important in our homes to create a shame-free environment uh, mm-hmm. for to open the lines of communication where children will feel like uh, the safety to open up and including them as you know co-decision makers in their own journey and allowing them to be a part of the conversation. So it's not just about lecturing our kids, it's about including them in a conversation, helping them learn to trust their own instincts, for example. Um, you know, their children are very discerning about when danger is near. What is that? There's, those are instincts. Some, you know, th- those of us who are Christians might say that's the Holy Spirit that's revealing that to you. Or mm-hmm. um, there's some in- in- deep internal intuition. So it's helping kids to become f- familiar with things as, as simple as their own intuition 
because the reality is is that they're navigating a world that has been completely pornified. So we all grow up as with pornography as the wallpaper of our lives. Unfortunately, as much as we would like that not to be so, we're still in supermarkets. We're still driving down the road where there's billboards. We're still on television where there's commercials. You know, it's just, it's unavoidable. And so it's really not so much a question of if, but when our children are going to be exposed to these these images and making sure that you have their, a, a shame-free environment and a safe place within the home and relational equity with your child to begin to walk them through whatever things that they've been exposed to. So mm. I, I do believe there are ways that we can protect our children. And again, we go into a lot of the practicals of that, both in terms of what's in the house and devices, as well as when they're out of the house and they're with friends and so on and so forth. I get I go into detail about the, the things that we can do to protect our children in those ways. But what, what I'm trying to say is that aside from putting all those protections in place, which are very important, um, I think that it's, uh, it behooves us to recognize the fact that no matter how diligently we seek to protect our children, they're still going to be exposed to images that we would rather them not see in this world. And it's important that we have the kind of relationship and environment in the home where we can discuss those things. So, amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. So when I grew up, I had never heard a message on sexuality, gender and sexuality, anything along those lines in my entire life growing up in the church. And uh, nor in the home. So these things are not talked about. We falsely imagine that the way to protect our children's innocence is just simply not to discuss the subject at all. And that's not real. You know, God loves sexuality. And, the, you know, it says in Genesis that uh, God told them to be fruitful and multiply. So mm-hmm. he gave mm-hmm. us a sexual drive. No yeah. human gets out of that. And so our children have been given the gift of a sex drive. Now, of course, that's not going to fully begin to manifest itself until, you know, they're, you know, as they mature into adulthood. But there's a curiosity about those things that will be awakened. And we have to find age appropriate ways to talk with our kids in a non shame based way about these subject matters. So, for example, mm. just the idea of bodily autonomy that your body has value that your Mm -hmm. body was created by God, that your body is worth protecting, that your body belongs to you, that it doesn't belong to somebody else, that there are things that are appropriate and there are things that are inappropriate. And I think that those kind of age-appropriate conversations begin to normalize and help children feel more comfortable in their own skin, which is going to become a really important thing if, you know, God forbid, they stumble upon some image of graphic hardcore pornography. Okay, well, now we mm-hmm. have the relational equity and a framework to at least begin to talk about those things. And I've received calls from parents who are absolutely just panicked about and, you know, punishing their child. And they're, they're up in their room now and they're grounded for dinner. And, you know, and they, mm-hmm. they, they, they're, just, they're just panicked. And, um, and this... You know, the sting of of healthy shame is important, but we don't want to project 
unhealthy shame onto our kids where they actually begin to believe false things about themselves as a result of things that they were inadvertently exposed to. Um, or yeah. even if their curiosity led them to that. It's part of growing up is trying on different things and realizing, oh, okay, this is for me, this isn't for me. And we just really want to be a part of that whole journey with our children so that, mm-hmm. you know, they to keep that door open um, so that we're, we're able to bring the wisdom of our years of experience on this world into their life. Yes, yes. I, my oldest daughter, she just turned 13 and um, we've been very uh, intentional about the way that we allow her online time. Um, you know, we have very consistent rules and stuff, um, but there still have been in spaces such as, I mean, it's so crazy to me, but um, the Lego Life app. Mm. I mean, this is geared for kids, but she, so we thought this would be a really cool place. And then, you know, there was a certain amount of drawing that was kind of happening in this space. Like kids weren't even posting their Lego creations. They were drawing pictures and just sharing their artwork and stuff. Hey, so Mm -hmm. I guess what, what happened was that she started to see things that kids were sharing where there would be like an anime character with just more seductive clothing. Mm -hmm. So it'd be like some cleavage and just inappropriate clothing. And she recognized it right away. In the process of kind of becoming aware of anime, I found out about the anime pornography. Mm. And I, oh my goodness, Benji, like I, as a mom, I want to know what's out there because then I am more informed to be able to talk with my children about it. Mm -hmm. But man, I wish I hadn't seen some of the stuff that I saw. Mm. I just really wish I hadn't. And I, it was so frustrating to me to see the way that this stuff is literally being projected at our kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, like how how quickly can a child go online searching for anime because they think it's the coolest thing ever and they want to draw and and in their search they see anime porn. Mm-hmm. Like this is wrong. This is yeah. so wrong and it made me angry. Like really yeah. righteously angry. What we understand now about uh the damage that can be invoked on one's healthy sexual maturity as a human being um, through exposure to pornography is enough for us to say, okay, it's, it's time that we revisit and take an inventory for how the internet has been constructed because currently it is a city without walls. The internet is still relatively new, and I'm hopeful that we can make the necessary changes to protect children who are online. Again, because of things like neural coupling, where they experience these images as though they're real. It It is quite literally digital sexual abuse. It is technologized prostitution and it is invoking enormous amount of inflicting an enormous amount of damage onto the minds and hearts and sexual serenity of children growing up in this world mm-hmm. so i think that it's it's really important for us to pass laws regarding age verification along with the release of our film raised on porn uh, last year we launched a campaign called protect children not porn And it is um, that campaign, in that campaign, we are calling for 
um, age verification walls to be required um, for the hosting and distributing of all pornographic content. And what that mm. would do is it would require a government-issued ID to access any of those images, which is completely appropriate given the subject matter. It is called literally adult content, and yet there are no protections in place on the internet to guard children from the potency of these images and the subsequent you know, consequences that come as yeah. a result of that. So I think this campaign that we're doing at Exodus Cry is a really important part of helping to protect children from exposure to those images. Um, when, we, when it comes to, you know, our, our children being exposed, I, I think that it's really important that we teach them media literacy. So, you know, in your case, the fact that you were exposed to this doesn't mean that you are now dirty, that you are mm. now bad, that you are, you know, less moral or less innocent, or um, you've been exposed to something that was a lie. And in Daniel 2.22, it says that, that God knows what is in darkness, but light dwells with him. So he, uh, he sees more clearly into every form of darkness in our world, and yet he is the father of lights in whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. He is Amen. virtue and purity through and through. And it's his ability to discern between light and, and, and between truth and deception, between light and dark. I once heard somebody say that our world is not so much a battle between good and evil as much as, much as it is between truth and deception. Mm. And so in the aspect of media literacy, it's training our children to say, hey, you saw something and that doesn't make you evil. It doesn't make you less yes. pure. It doesn't make you, you know, unbroken or, um, but let's talk about what that image that you saw. What was the story? What was the, what was the message? behind that image and so for example if i'm driving down the, the road with my son and there's a massive billboard with a scantily clad woman on it the conversation is what is that message sending well that message sending is sending that this woman is a sexual object that her value comes exclusively from her sex appeal we don't know anything else about her she's merely a two-dimensional object and so then the next question is well is that true are women nothing more than their body? Does their primary value come from their sex appeal? Is that true? Is, is this merely a two-dimensional object with no history, experiences, preferences, or opinions of their own? Well, no, we know that's not true. So what is that billboard projecting? That billboard's projecting a lie. So those, those kind of exercises are helpful in developing me media literacy so that as we're exposed to images and messages in media, we can deconstruct and discern between what is true and what is false, what is a lie and what is deception. And so I think that's a really important part of how we raise our children is raising them with media literacy to become not just people who aren't ever exposed to things. That's not realistic. 
but to become people who are exposed to things, but who are grounded in truth. To become people who see what is in darkness, but light dwells with them. I think that's the goal. Yeah, yes, absolutely. There's, there's something that I, I want to touch on specifically for the sake of the moms who are listening, because like you know, our demographic is, is moms, a lot of young moms. Um, and I touched on this earlier, but I had, um, you know, a lot of experience with postpartum anxiety in, in my early years um, of having babies. And, um, you know, even an episode when my oldest daughter was only five months old, I watched back then, uh, Oprah was on one morning and she had a missing children episode. And I've heard other women say how much these they have been traumatized by those kinds of programs in early motherhood. and. And it happened to me, and that's actually where my anxiety started, um, was I started fearing someone coming into my home mm -hmm. and taking my, my little baby. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was years and years of battling that silently. And not at the time, I would say I did not have the ability to put words to my fears because I'd actually been battling an anxiety disorder mm -hmm. since I was young. Mm -hmm. Praise God for for the um, wisdom he's given me in the last five years to, to overcome a lot of this. But mm -hmm. at the time, I didn't I just didn't have words. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to speak it out loud. It felt more real when I did. Right. And so I went through a lot of agony in those years, despite mm -hmm. loving being a mother, loving motherhood so much. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that where I'm headed with this is that it was a, such a heavy, weighty fear, but I also did not have any, con like no knowledge mm -hmm. on who these children are that are being preyed upon. Like when I would watch an episode or something about sex trafficking, you know, I don't think that I, I just didn't really have any information to go on. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of moms are probably in that place where they don't, they almost avoid knowing, yeah. avoid listening to these stories yeah. or learning because they actually are scared that if they know more, they might actually fear it more. So what, mm -hmm. what can you, um, how can you speak to that a yeah. little bit, you know? Sure. Yeah. Well, we, we live in this world that is organized through really these archetypal forces of good, evil, dark, light, malevolent, benevolent, and our human spirit was not created for the dark, the evil, the malevolent, the, the violent. Um, hmm. That's not what our human... So when we are exposed to that, it has this deep primal... Um, uh, impact on us that can invoke all kinds of feelings of powerlessness and hopelessness and fear and paranoia and all of those things and um, but ultimately the idea for us growing up in this world that we are is not fear it is awareness and so we know that God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power of love and of sound mind so part of having a sound mind is being knowledgeable, is being wise, is being aware. And when something hits my spirit, I, that is pure fear, I go, okay, I know God hasn't given this to me. It's not, the, the gift of God to me is not fear, it's trust. So, uh, so 
I, when I become aware of something, I, I want to be careful to steer my exposure to that thing back into a place of trusting God over my life, the life of my children, the life uh, and, and over the, you know, the, the trajectory of our world. Okay, God, you have a plan for me, for my children, for this world. What mm-hmm. I'm seeing happen, this is not your plan. <laughs> and, but I can trust you with your plan. And so, um, so I think you know, it's, it's important not to shut down or ignore or write off the fact that those feelings of fear hit us, but to normalize them in a way that causes us to go, okay, I'm feeling fear. I don't need to be scandalized by that. I need to recognize it for what it is. It's, it's a natural human response to feeling powerless or out of control or intense evil or, you know, something that, that, that I wasn't created for. And now mm-hmm. the question is, what do I do with that? And so, <clears throat> so that's where I think, you know, I, I, really, I really love passages of Scripture like uh, Psalm 37 that talk about, you know, not, not being being aware of the evil of our world, but not being paralyzed by it, by dwelling in the land and feeding mm-hmm. upon the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Versus like Psalm, uh, Proverbs 3 that talk about trust in the Lord in all your ways, acknowledge him in all your ways. And um, it says, uh, sorry, it, goes, it says, lean not on your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge the Lord and, and trust in him in all your ways. Something like mm-hmm. that. I'm butchering it. Yeah. But, but, but so, so I, I heard a... a, a pastor talking one time about a tragedy that he endured and God spoke to him and said, you know, have I given you a peace that transcends understanding? And he said to the Lord, yes, Lord, you've given me a, a peace that transcends understanding. And then the Lord said to him, then stop seeking a peace that comes from understanding. So at some level, there is a place where we have to try to channel those intense feelings of fear into trust and knowing that you know God has not God is not the author and has not given us that that spirit of fear that's coming from somewhere else. So um, so that's I think how I would yeah answer that question. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, it absolutely is. Okay. Um, I think a lot of, of people just want to know um, you know is it possible to see change happen? In the way that porn is being produced, you talked about what you're going for. We need accountability. We need laws in place where there's an, a government ID mm-hmm. required for for viewing. Um, have you been able? And you said it was 15 years since you started Exodus mm-hmm. Cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the positive things that you've seen occur in your own fight and in the worldwide fight against trafficking and pornography consumption? Sure. Yeah, I, I I'm so hopeful. I think there's a lot that we can do that just hasn't been done. So a lot of what we're currently dealing with is just by virtue of nobody doing anything about it. Mm. And so we're taking action in a number of ways. We believe there are some really key pieces of legislation that are important to um, help make our world a safer place for children. Not that it's ever going to be completely safe, but there are some very obvious things. The age verification laws, 
um, you know, for requiring big tech and big porn to put age verification walls behind the, the hosting and distributing of all pornographic content. That's a no-brainer. Um, the raising the age of entry into porn from 18 mm. to 21. That's a no-brainer. Um, dismantling the user-based upload model of pornography that uh, ends up proliferating sites like Pornhub with you know so many criminal videos. That needs to be dealt with. So there are a few things, uh, legislative things, that I think are important to address in this. Um, in terms of breakthroughs that we've seen, so... As I mentioned, when we were making my first film, Nefarious, between 2008 and 2011, we started to see the way that pornography was connect overlapping with sex trafficking. And in 2012, we made this very concrete decision to begin to address this. At the beginning, at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, we felt it was time to begin to. Uh, build an activism campaign um, based on some of our findings, specifically targeting the world's largest porn site, which is Pornhub, and their parent company, MindGeek, who owns 90% of all online pornography. So they were a company who built their empire on this user-based upload model of porn. Well, the problem was that they didn't have an effective moderation system, and by virtue of that, all kinds of videos were appearing on their site that were criminal in nature. Uh, videos of underage children in sexual scenarios, rape videos, trafficking videos, all kinds of things. So their site really became a crime scene. It was infested with all of these videos of these horrible crimes and abuses um, of a sexual nature. And so we started this campaign to hold them accountable for that. And seeing the success of that campaign has given me a lot of courage and hope and inspiration in this fight that we can make the world a better place. And mm -hmm. so what ended up happening is my colleague uh, wrote an op-ed for the Washington Examiner called It's Time to Shut Down Pornhub. That article went viral. The next day, the BBC released an article um, that had been a year in the making about one of the victims of Pornhub. That article went viral. Then awesome. we started a petition to shut down Pornhub and hold their executives accountable. That petition went viral and got two million signatures. So then we decided, you know, we need to really tell the story of what's going on here because this is the world's largest porn site. They've endeared themselves to the culture. They have ads in Times Square. Um, and people don't understand what's really going on. So we made a short animated video, about two and a half minutes long. That went viral. It was the, one of the most viral videos of all time and got 34 million views across our social platforms. Wow. That put us in touch with Nick Kristoff from the New York Times who ended up writing an investigative piece called The Children of Pornhub, highlighting the victimization of untold numbers of people on this platform. That put us in touch with the CEOs of the major credit card companies who at that time severed ties with Pornhub, uh, dismantling their ability for people to go on and pay for porn with a credit card. Wow. So at that point, we put forth certain demands of which Pornhub began to comply with. So they deleted 80% of the videos on their website. They removed the 
download feature on their website, made a number of other changes, and um, but our work to hold them accountable has continued. Numerous lawsuits have now been filed against their parent company, MindGeek, which is bringing an existential threat to their entire company, their entire existence. And, um, and most recently, the major credit cards severed ties with Pornhub concerning the other half of their business, which is advertisers. And wow. their CEO and COO stepped down, and we've heard rumors that 70% of their staff has been laid off. So they are currently the world's largest porn site that was the company that was considered porn chic and sort of made porn something that was, you know, graphic hardcore pornography, something that was tongue-in-cheek, acceptable, uh, a pop culture reality to something that is disgraced, despised, and is being eradicated from our world. So our success with campaigns like the Trafficking Hub campaign, to me, are just such a powerful indication that if we work together as caring citizens and concerned parents, that we, we can actually make a difference in our world. Every decision that we make in life is voting for the kind of world we want our children to inherit. That is real. Yes. That is real. And yeah. so wow. we can either stick our head in the sand like ostriches and pretend this isn't going on and watch our kids be swept down river and then act shocked when they end up wherever they end up. Or we can pull our heads out of the sand, face this great evil, put our trust in God and take action to make our world a safer place for the next generation. Yes, yes. I'm excited listening to you talk over here. <laughs> I'm also thinking to myself that the people that you've been working to take down <laughs> at Pornhub are probably not very happy with you. <laughs> yeah, who cares though? <laughs> who oh cares? man, we, oh man, but that's yeah. that's good news. And actually, while you were talking there, I, I think that's actually when I started following Exodus Cry, oh, okay. was when you guys were doing that, because that's a couple years ago already, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yep. Two years ago, yeah. yeah. And I remember following along closely and I was so excited. I was just like, man, this is awesome. This is what we need to hear. I mean, the loudest voices get heard. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And, and I think, isn't there just this thing with, and I'm not saying this is all Christians, um, and we don't want to, we don't want to demean our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? But, but I think that there's this tendency towards burying our heads in the sand when it comes to really hard topics like this, because mm -hmm. uh, we don't even know where to begin. Um, but I, I, I'm with you. Like I ever. I was one of those people for so many years. Um, and I know what it feels like now to have this platform and to be able to connect with people who are doing good work and even just following along online with what the work people like you are doing. It boosts my confidence in what God ultimately is doing in our world, the good that is happening, but we can easily miss it if we're not becoming uh, aware and, and when we stick our head in the sands, right? In the Absolutely. sand. How can our listeners um, come alongside to support the work that you guys are doing? Well, first, let me just say that in the time that we've been having this conversation, the German government just announced that they are shutting down um, the MindGeek sites, Pornhub, YouPorn, and uh, My Dirty Hobby for their failure to protect children. So that is 
breaking news that just happened in the course of our conversation. So we are literally on the front lines of changing history and wow. yeah, and eradicating this evil from our world. So I, I think that's, yeah, just something to celebrate right there. Um, we welcome the participation of everyone with the work that we're doing and especially with moms because we know that there's an inherent interest there that they have as gatekeepers in their homes to protect their children. So that participation um, happens in a number of ways. We are continually putting out calls to action um, of a variety of different sorts. Um, our success has hinged largely upon the greater movement of people out there who are participating and sharing our videos, signing our petitions, um, supporting our cause financially, so on and so forth. So, um, so we welcome people's participation. If anyone is really interested in being a part of joining us and partnering with us in this work, I just encourage you to follow us at Instagram, uh, sorry, at Exodus Cry on Instagram or Facebook, mm -hmm. and, um, and checking out our website, ExodusCry.com. Uh, and we would love to connect with anyone out there who's interested in this work and would like to help partner with us to, um, like I said before, to, to change the world and make it a safer place for our children. Yeah, amazing. Are there any other resources at all? Um, you've mentioned you know, your, your upcoming book. Are there any other resources that parents can access um, just to give them a little bit more uh, context for how to navigate these conversations with our kids? Um, staying connected with their kids, protecting them online? One of the challenges that I discovered when I began to research and investigate this space was the lack of resources out there. And so I specifically wrote this book in a way to be the, comprehend the kind of comprehensive and in-depth resource that I wished was out there and, um, and was not available. So yeah, for us, this is kind of our go-to resource, this, this new book called Raised on Porn. You, you can also visit our website, raisedonporn.com. That's where we're kind of building out this movement that, that you know, is, is built on the film and the book. And, um, and yeah, I just really encourage people to, to check those out. Now, is the Raised on Porn book, is this something that people could utilize for doing, say, um, educating within uh, the context of a school system? Like, yes. Is, yeah? Okay. Yeah, we're currently it... developing a curriculum for both oh, cool. schools and oh, small awesome. groups. And, um, and so, yeah, I think we want to see the book become a deeply embedded part of our educational system and the way that this issue is approached and dealt with. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. Well, Benji, this has been, I can't believe we've been talking for almost an hour, but I am so grateful <laughs> for your time. I am so grateful for your wisdom, your insight, your experience, and your willingness to share with us today. Absolutely. Tell me, tell me two to th three things that bring you a lot of joy in your current season of life. I'm really grateful for my three kids. They are 13, 11, and eight. They're just great ages. And, um, Fedor Dostoevsky said that the presence of children heals the soul. So mm -hmm. I'm finding that to be really true for myself as I go in and out of this world. I'm just so grateful for these beautiful, precious children that I have and the healing and the joy that brings into my life. So, Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, they're blessed to have a dad like you who can 
lead and guide them uh, with biblical truth and sound understanding of the things that are going on in this world. Thanks, Benji, so much um, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Isn't it exciting to hear about the good things happening in areas we often feel so overwhelmed by? I'm so grateful for the amazing progress being made because of organizations like Exodus Cry and for the courageous people who are fighting the very dark forces in this world. I hope you feel encouraged and more knowledgeable as you navigate the task of decision-making and discussing the effects of pornography exposure with your kids. I pray that you feel more aware and ready to enter into these conversations with confidence. Please make sure to check the show notes for the resources mentioned in this episode and prayerfully consider sharing this content with other parents and educators. I truly believe that it's too important not to share. What a sweet relief it is to know that our God is greater than the overwhelming brokenness around us and that he's willing to fill us with wisdom as we seek to honor him in our motherhood journeys. One last thing, would you click on the leave a review button to help get these episodes out to more listeners? We depend fully on your sharing of these episodes as a currently fully self-sustained podcast ministry. Every time you tell someone about Knowing Motherhood, it's a huge blessing to my heart, whether I know it or not. And more importantly, it's a blessing to others. I am so grateful that you've listened to today's conversation and I cannot wait to be back here again with you soon.